Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host Sara Davison shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Kate Anthony. Kate is the host of the critically acclaimed and New York Times recommended podcast, The Divorce Survival Guide, and the creator of a groundbreaking online coaching program, Should I Stay or Should I Go?, which helps women make the most of difficult decisions in their lives using coaching tools, relationship education, geeky neuroscience, community support, and deep self work. So I am super excited to welcome Kate Anthony to the show. Welcome, Kate. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm so happy to be here and be speaking with you again. It's been a while. It has been a while. Too long. Too long. It's always great to talk to you, Kate. Another divorce coach, really doing amazing things over there in the States. So I'm delighted you've taken the time to join me. Thank you so much. And I am very excited for my listeners because I know a lot of the topics we're going to cover today are going to be right (laughs) up their street. So, I mean, first of all, why don't we start, if you don't mind, Kate, sharing a bit about your story and how you got into this, because I know a lot of listeners will really resonate with what's happened to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think like most of us in this space, I got into it naturally. (laughs) I was in a, um, you know, what we now know is a toxic, abusive marriage um, to a narcissistic abuser. And, um, you know, like most of them, he's also wonderful and gregarious and loving and generous and kind and also not, right? And so there's, um, there's so much confusion there. And it took me a really long time to dig through, you know, um, there were no podcasts about this at the time. You know, Facebook was just brand new. I've been divorced for 13 years. Um, so, you know, there was just like the beginnings of what we have now, but none of this was out there. So I spent a long time agonizing over my decision to stay or go because I was constantly told that if I just worked a little bit harder, and I was told this by him, I was told this by therapists, all of the things, if I would just work a little bit harder, to be what he needed me to be, then we wouldn't have the problems that we had. Yeah, turns out (laughs) that wasn't the problem, right? And I was bending myself into pretzels. I was trying to, you know, heal my childhood wounds, become less codependent, right? In our, one of our couples therapy sessions, our couples therapist diagnosed him as a narcissist and me as a codependent. So then we spent all of this time, he went out and he was like, well, the only thing I can find about narcissism is about narcissistic personality disorder. I don't think I have that. And the the therapist was like, no, you don't. And so then we just spent all the time talking about my codependence and none of the time dealing with his not right. So anyway, so then, you know, when I got out, I mean, that makes me so angry. I'm sat here and I'm literally of steam coming out my ears. I mean, I don't understand how you can be a therapist if you don't understand domestic abuse. If if you're going to have clients coming to you and you're going to sit there and diagnose, which again, how can she do that in a session? I have no idea because it can take a long, long time to diagnose personality disorders. But anyway, she's diagnosed it in a session. And then that's, I mean, oh my goodness. I'm just, it just makes me so angry. And then just 
kind of leave it there, right? And and he and he did not diagnose him as having a personality disorder. He was like, you're a narcissist, right? Like, you know, for closer out on the spectrum, not as far out, right? Because narcissism is a spectrum. But then we just sort of left it there. And I will say also that, you know, I didn't understand. And because this is what it does to you, right? The problem with going to therapy with an abuser, which is what you're not supposed to do, right? Is that it can confuse you even more. It can make you feel like it can gaslight you even more. It can combat, compound all of the problems. And so suddenly we weren't really dealing with, he's abusing me at home. Like he's actually abusing. We're dealing with, you know, our childhood wounds and like, you know, all of this stuff. And, you know, that's just not fucking relevant when you're actually being abused. <laughs> I just I mean it makes me so mad because it me isn't too. relevant and you're right and you know therapy especially with people that obviously don't know how to you know understand what's going on and spot the signs and protect and safeguard yeah. you as the victim of this I mean it's just dangerous it's just downright dangerous and traumatizing for you Exactly. And what I didn't know at the time also was that he's a serial cheater and so he was serially cheating on me the whole time and I was I think willfully ignorant I was really just like in so much denial there were so many signs and I just you know I couldn't I couldn't absorb that too um and you know my trauma responses were really clear and I decided that um and so you know what I know now is that this man was in therapy with me trying to quote heal our relationship while also continuing to cheat on me. So um, ultimately I got out. I don't know how it was like a frying pan moment where I realized that we had a kid and that he was going to, you know, that this was, that this was the going to be the air that he breathed. And this was the relationship model that he was going to be raised in and that there was no way, no way. And he was three years old at the time. And I, and I had to get out. Um, Really interesting, Kate, though, because a lot of my clients will stay in toxic relationships yes. because of the kids. And That's you right. say, I left because of the kids. So explain a little bit to us about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the research shows at this point, there's a lot of research out there that shows that um, staying in certainly in a toxic and abusive relationship for the children is more, far more damaging than a divorce will be. Um, and that uh, they did, a, they did a, recently did, I think it was a Harvard study about this, that kids only need one healthy, nurturing, emotionally stable uh, parent uh, in order. Now, that doesn't mean that the other parent doesn't do damage and anything like that. But if you think that you're staying because you think that you're mitigating it, if you're like, I have to be there to offset it, you're not. You are condoning it. You're co-signing it by keeping your child in that environment, you are saying it's okay. Even if verbally you're saying, I'm so sorry, daddy did that, or, or you're, you're redirecting or you're snuggling them at night, you're, it's confusing and it doesn't add up to them and it becomes the air that they breathe. And so if you separate households and if only one home is loving and nurturing and safe, and even if they're only in it 50% of the time, that is better for them than being in the toxicity 100% of the time. 
because at the end of the day, you know, usually someone who is in a relationship with a toxic abuser is codependent and that is toxic too. There is a toxic dance that's happening and the whole thing is toxic. And so if you pull yourself out and you're able to do the healing and do the work that you need to do on yourself to really create a safe place for your child, even if it's only 50% of the time, you, your kids will be far better off. Far better. I I totally agree with you, but I see this all the time, as I'm sure you do in your coaching clinic, that, you know, clients are like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm going to stay or I stay for so long because of the children. But actually we're the role models and they're learning what, relationships are from the dynamic between mom and dad so they learn well when dad does this or mom does this then this is how it happens and they learn that that dance as you refer to it is is what is normal rather than that is not acceptable behavior so again well yes and and so they learn that that's what normal is and then they repeat it and that's the that's the thing that i think most people that's where women in particular kind of stop, right? If you don't want this relationship for your child, then you have to get out. If this is not the model, because they will recreate it, this is the model for relationships that they will create in their futures. So if you don't want this for them, you got to get out and, and create something else. And even if you don't, I mean, I'll tell you, like, I am, I am single and, but I don't settle and I don't create toxicity you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And And so I think a lot of though, a lot of people also stay because they're worried, as you said, before you touched on it briefly, that, you know, the child going back into that environment on their own, when you might have maybe safeguarding worries and concerns. So I guess that's, I mean, it's a serious issue, which, you know, takes a lot of thought and planning, right? It is. And listen, if there is any um, addiction, uh, if there's violent, physical violence, um, uh, those things, uh, you need to, of course, safeguard against, right? You need to work with your attorney, your solicitor, whoever, to make sure that you protect your children physically, right? (laughs) Um, and listen, I wish, I wish to God, um, I think, I think the UK may be a little further than us in this, we have not illegalized coercive control the way that you have. Um, I wish that emotional abuse was considered uh, domestic violence in the eyes of family court the way that it is understood by the by the domestic violence community. So unfortunately, we're not there yet. Um, it's much harder to quantify. It's much harder to explain. It's much harder to um, to identify, especially when the victims, when part of the design of the of the entire thing is that the victims are confused and they don't understand and they don't see it because they they become used to it. It is illegal in the UK. It was made illegal in 2015. However, saying that, it is still very, very hard to prove that in a family court right. where, then, where, right. where emotional abuse is taking place. So you know, sometimes when things yep. are pretty much impossible to prove in a lot of cases, is it really a crime because people are getting away with it? That's right. That's right. It's, and it's, and it's terrible. And, uh, you know, in the U.S., we have a family, family court system that is so broken where judges sort of rotate in that, you know, it's part of a rotation. So you might have, they have no training in domestic violence. They have no advanced training in the things that they really, truly need to have. 
um, in order to effectively do this job. So it's up, unfortunately, as you know, as usual, it's up to us. <laughs> it's, on, it's on the women to figure it out, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, so back to your point, right? That um, if there is physical violence or alcoholism, addiction, something that puts your children in actual physical danger, you have to do everything in your power to protect your children. If it's quote, just emotional, which is horrible to say, um, even if they're they, even if they have to have split custody, even if it's 50, 50, you, you will offset it better by being out of the house and, and giving them the tools and the words, right. To name it. What you're doing is you're giving your children the gift of perspective. So at a certain point, as they get older, they start to realize, I feel this way at mom's house and I feel this way at dad's house. And they start to notice that what the differences are. And that is the perspective. You give them objectivity, but if they're in it all the time, they don't get perspective. That is their reality. You are handing them a reality that is sick and twisted and they have no outside perspective. If they're in the sick and twisted, you know, 50% of the time, but they have, there is safety 50% of the time. Look, I don't want any kids in sick and twisted at any, any percentage of the time, but we're working with what we've got, right? But you give them, you know, you give them 50% of the time of, of sane, stable, nurturing. When they start to question what's happening in the other house, you start to help them process it and identify it and say, no, that's not okay. It is not okay that he said that to you. And I'm so sorry he did that. And here's, here are some tools you can use or here's some words that you can say. Um, or just to validate, no, you're right. You're right, that isn't okay. Yeah, it's and huge. I, I, I mean, it is. And I think education is really important. And it actually can be a very valuable life lesson for kids to learn these things, even at such mm -hmm. a young age, when you want to nurture them and wrap them up in bubble wrap so they never get hurt. But real life isn't like that, unfortunately. So learning that these people exist, this personality type is out there, people can actually be that bad and it is done on purpose. You know, all these things that maybe you and I didn't learn and found out the hard way, you know, they'll, they'll have that as a gift, a, a life lesson in a way. So it does make them a little bit stronger, doesn't it? If they've, if mm -hmm. they've been through that and kids are yes. a lot more resilient than we, we give them credit for sometimes. Yeah. And it's true. Um, this is a life lesson to be able to identify things. Look, if you're in this toxic situation and then they go out and into the dating pool, they recognize the toxic situation. They equate that with love because that's what they were told. No, no, mommy and daddy love each other. Oh, okay. So I guess that's love. They choose that for themselves, right? If you give them the gift of perspective, they go out in the world, they see toxicity and they're like, oh, right. No, I recognize that and I want to stay as far away from that as possible. But if they don't have that perspective, they don't have that objectivity. Yeah, and I think that perspective is really essential for kids. However, mm -hmm. you and I both know that's a fine line to walk as a parent, right? To oh. highlight, to educate, to give clarity to toxic, abusive behavior. Because again, you know, it's you know, a lot of my clients will say, Sarah, I've been told not to badmouth my ex. And there's a fine line between bad mouthing and setting the record straight, isn't there? What's your advice on that? Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? 
If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as the Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control, and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life, and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. And there's a fine line between bad mouthing and setting the record straight, isn't there? What's your advice on that? Oh, you know, look, I think it's validating their experience, right? That like, no, 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 you're right. That wasn't okay. Without saying, you know, and he's a this and that, and he did this to me and he did that to me or blah, 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 blah. To say, to validate their experience and say, you know what, you're right. What you're experiencing, that is not okay. And I, listen, I have a kid who is the most curious since he was two years old you know he doesn't accept one answer for a question there are now it's now like a a never-ending spiral of questions and like you know so he would ask like but is that why you got divorced and is that what happened and you know as he's gotten older I'm not gaslighting him I'm just not Uh, and I will say yeah yeah it is that that is that is why you know we got that was one of the issues in our marriage I mean he's asked me point blank did dad cheat on you I'm not going to lie. Right. And so I'll say like, yeah, that was one of the problems in our marriage. And I'm, you know, I'm really sorry to have to tell you that, you know, do, do you have any questions about that? Um, I can't make my ex look better for my son than he is willing to be for himself. Right. Well, I can't, it's not, you know, I, I always say it's not my fucking job It is not my fucking job to shine some kind of shiny light on someone who refuses to actually just be that light. And so it's, but it is complicated, right? Because I'm raising a 16 year old boy. Um, he's now 16. I'm raising a child who as a boy is, looks to his father for, you know, what it is to be a man. And I think at this point though, and not because of me, but because of his father's actions, my son sort of looks at his dad and goes, I don't want to be that. That's not who I want to be listen, I hate it. I hate it, Sarah. It breaks my soul that my son doesn't have a model of, you know, and so what I do is I just try and surround him with models of men that are great, like his godfather and, you know, other people so that he, you know, so that he really does have that somewhere in the world. And by the way, like, again, not black and white. It's not black and white. His dad is great. He's great in certain ways and he's, you know, fun and he's, he does great stuff with them. And like, he's <laughs> right. So it's not black and white. It's not like my son has this horrible monster of a father and right. There's that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important that they learn to navigate that relationship with their dad. It is the fathers that, you know, 80% of the time, if yeah. not more, yeah. but yeah, I mean, obviously it can be the women as well. And I have clients who are male who are going through this um, with their yeah, ex. Exactly. Wife, so, yeah. Yep. But, but, Absolutely. you know, 
it's important for the children to learn to be able to have a relationship where they recognize the challenges in that relationship, the unacceptable behaviors. They have their own boundaries around that's not okay, but then they can embrace the positives and they can have that bond and love them for who they are, but obviously know what the boundaries are and you know see them for what they are and who they are but have a, have a relationship. I think that's a really essential part of growing up and having that in their world. That's right. That's absolutely right. And I think that's, that's partly our job, right? To again, address the, like, it's not black and white. He's not all bad. He's listen, he's got deficiencies. We all have deficiencies, but you know, what you're seeing and feeling and experiencing in this relationship with him is absolutely correct or on point or whatever, right? It's valid. And also, he's all these other things, right? So I'm not going to gaslight my kid, but I'm also not going, you know, by telling him like, no, what are you talking about? He's great. That's right. You know, Um, but I have to validate and I have to validate their experiences. You have to. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's great advice, Kate. Also, there are obviously children that come back and mimic the behavior that they're seeing, which can be really hard as well. Yeah, yeah, that's tragic. And that's a place where you, you know, you sit your kid down and you say, listen, um, uh, I'm noticing that you're exhibiting these behaviors or you're speaking to me in a way. And I noticed that this is the same, you know, similar to the way that maybe dad, you've heard dad, you know, do things. And I just want to let you know that it's not okay. And that's where our boundaries come in, right? And it's not a punishment. It's right. It's like, because look, think about it. Like they're coming by it really naturally. Right. So I I don't know that it's punishing necessarily, but saying like having really firm and clear boundaries with your children to say, it is not okay for you to speak to me that way. Um, I don't, I no longer tolerate people in my life talking to me like that. So we're going to have to find a different way for us to communicate. If you're frustrated or whatever, help them through it, help them through it. Don't just punish them and, you know, give them a timeout and send them to their room or whatever, because then they don't, they're not actually learning anything, right? It's really talking to them through it. And I think, you again, it's, it's not delaying that. When it happens, react straight away, because delayed That's consequences right. aren't going to help. We need to get in there and work with, the, work with the children when it comes up, because if you don't say anything, they learn that it's okay, that it's an acceptable behavior. And it's a lot harder to unpick that years down the line than it is in the moment when it shows up. Oh, absolutely. And it may not be in the very moment because you may be triggered, <laughs> right? I mean, look, if your child is, you know, abusing you, children can't abuse, but if, if they're mimicking the behavior, you're, you're probably going to be triggered, right? And so if that happens, like take time, don't have the conversation while you're triggered, but have it that night <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. While yeah. it's fresh in their minds and they know what you're talking about. Absolutely. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I, I could talk to you on this topic for, for hours and hours, but I also want to talk to you about another area that I know you specialize in, which is should I stay or should I go? Now, you know, whether yeah. it's a healthy relationship or a toxic relationship, this is a question that can be really, really difficult. And yeah. sometimes, you know, the grass may look greener. That's true, isn't it? And then you're worried. That looks great. But is it reality? What's your opinion, Kate? Well, I mean, I mostly work with people who actually are in abusive relationships. And what's interesting is that a lot of them will come to me and be like, he's not, I mean, this is a huge one for me. And certainly in my Facebook group and my, with my clients, he's not that bad. He's not bad. He doesn't hit me. And then they will then list a whole bunch of behaviors. Like, I mean, he's not, he's not bad. He's a good provider. He's a good man. He just, he has, he has anger issues 
or he has, you know, he like, he's really controlling or he yells at the kids or, but he plays with them. So, it, and I'm, I spent a lot of time in my practice saying, is he, is he, is he really a good guy? Cause the bar seems really low right now for, you know, if he's a provider and he plays with the kids, that's people describing like, he's a really good guy. And I, you know, not to say he's a bad guy, but like, that's a pretty low bar for what we should expect in a relationship and in a partnership that includes children. So, so I do a lot of educating on that, you know? And so look, if you're in an otherwise happy marriage, but like the grass might look a little greener on the other side, then I encourage you to get into your own therapy and let's, you know, really dig into, you know, what is it, what is it that you are seeing over there that seems so much greener because look, yeah, it's new and it's shiny, but in 10 years, it's going to be, you know, rusted out just like this one. So, you know, what is, what does that mean? For the most part, I work with women and men who are in this level of toxicity that they don't recognize as toxic because they've been in it for so long. You know, the frog in water analogy, right? That if you dump a frog into a pot of boiling water, it's going to jump right out. But if you put a frog in lukewarm water and you turn up the, the heat to a low simmer, it'll stay in there and cook itself to death. And that's what most of us are. Most of us, you know, the, the relationship doesn't start out, you know, it starts out lovely, <laughs> right? And then it becomes this slow simmer and we're questioning, like, is it getting hot in here? Is it like, am I? No, no, it's no, it's fine. Like I haven't moved everything. Like this is, this is what it is. It's totally fine. Until, you know, we really, really can't discern what's happening in our relationships. And, and so, so the work that I do with women is really helping to pull apart and discern those things. And where we start is with ourselves, right? Like most of us have codependency issues. Most of, and that's not a bad word. It's not a, you know, a personality disorder. It comes from childhood trauma. Most of us have experienced it in some way or form. And so this is just really about working clearly on our internal structures to understand how we operate and what we, what we were conditioned to choose just the way we were just talking about with our kids, right? If we stay in this toxic relationship, we're going to choose that. So we got to do a lot of work on ourselves here and figure out like, how was I conditioned? What was modeled to me? It's a lot of work. Um, and it should be because you do that work now. And look, we know that in the U S at least like 50% about 50% of marriages end in divorce. 68% of second marriages also end in divorce. And 73% of third marriages also end in divorce. So if we do the work to figure out what really went wrong, if it's just, oh, the grass is greener and I'm gonna hop out and find someone new, we're probably gonna end up on the same path. But if we really do the work and dig into, how did I get here? How did I choose this? And rewire all of that, <laughs> then if we get out, if we make the choice to leave, we are going to be far more likely to recognize patterns and red flags early in relationships and not repeat the same patterns over and over and over again. Yeah, such, such good advice. I think, you know, learning the lessons and then banking them 
also is massively going to increase your confidence when you come to dating again because you're not going to be scared oh I'm just going to do the same thing again because very often people run the same patterns don't they they get out of something think thank goodness I'm out I'm out of that abusive relationship and then go straight back in something exactly the same is this this similar to, to what you see Kate and why oh absolutely and I experienced it too I've experienced it myself and look here's the good news right the good news for me right and for what I say to my clients all the time is that you know it took me 10 years with my marriage the next relationship that I got into that was toxic it took me two years I mean, it did. It took me two years. And I, cause I still didn't have the understanding of what had happened. I really hadn't been able to, because again, we weren't naming this then. And now when I start dating someone, I'll see it in just, I'll see in a few months and I'll be like, oh yeah, no. <laughs> right. And I'm out. It's not that I don't, it's not that they don't come anywhere near me. Right. And I, it's not a law of attraction thing. Like it, it's like, oh, they may come near me. And then I go, oh, I recognize that. Uh uh-uh. uh. Whereas before I would be, oh, I recognize that. Okay, that makes sense to me because that's how I conflate, that's how I conflated love, right? Now I recognize it and I go, that's not love. And I'm not okay with it. And so if I'm going to be, if I'm single, which I am, it's far better for me to be single than be in a toxic relationship. And I'm, I'm far more uh, discerning and able to recognize things and see them for what they are. And I don't engage further, right? So I always say like, you know, women will get out and, be, and, and they'll repeat it. And they'll be like, I can't believe I did it. I can't believe I did it again. And I'm like, you did it again, but you, but you got out within like two months. Yeah, that's great. That's progress right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we want to get to the point where you're just not even getting involved at all. Just deploy your parachute, get the hell out the first sign that comes up. Absolutely. And to recognize the first sign, right? I mean, I was just dating someone, I think we were dating for like two and a half, three weeks. And I was like, oh, right. Okay. No, (laughs) it wasn't toxic. It wasn't bad. It was just like, oh no, this isn't going to work for me. So that's, you know, that's where you get, eventually you get to the point where you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's not going to work for me. Even though it wasn't bad, even though it wasn't toxic, even though it wasn't right. I have far more, um, I'm far more discerning. I'm far more, um, you know, I'm picky at this point. I'm not going to settle. That's great. And that's what we want. So for people listening, what are your top two tips for healing after you come out of one of those relationships so you can get to the point where you feel you know I I might be ready to move forward now um top two I mean find a really good trauma-informed therapist or a coach who specializes in healing from emotional abuse this is a specialty this is not just your average therapist or coach work with someone like Sarah, like me, somebody who actually understands what this is. Um, and uh, read uh, Pia Melody's book, uh, Facing Codependence. It's, the, I think, the, the best book on, on codependency there is, so that you can really understand where this comes from in you. Um, do the work. Do the actual work. Um, you know, I, I have a million podcast episodes on this. I'm sure you do too, Sara. So we are, you know, this is, uh, you surround yourself 
with the experts who talk about this so that you can understand it. Because the more you understand it, the more you recognize it. It's pervasive. It is pervasive, especially right now, unfortunately. And so many people listen now be like, right, how do I get to find out more about Kate and her work? So where can people go to find <laughs> out more about you and your coaching and your podcast, Kate? Uh, uh, thank you. Um, everything is on my website, which is kateanthony.com. And uh, my podcast is the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. And you can find that on all podcasting platforms. And I am at the Divorce Survival Guide on both Instagram and TikTok. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing such great advice. I have one last question for you that I ask all yes. my guests on my podcast. So the podcast is known as Heartbreak to Happiness because I think it's really important to know what happiness is for you along the way. So you can tap into it, even if you're not sure about where you're going and what you're doing with your relationship. So what is happiness for you, Kate? Oh, gosh. Happiness for me is... Uh, it's internal. It is, uh, it's, it's internal peace. It's self, it's self-knowledge and self-compassion, right? To really know myself and who I am so that I am not choosing. If I don't know who I am internally, I will be choosing things externally to fulfill me, um, or to make me happy. And usually they will be the wrong things because I don't know myself enough to pick wisely. So it is really self-knowledge um, and, and self-compassion for the journey that I have been on. That's, I think that's that. what it is for me. Yeah. I love that. I think internal peace as well is something that if you're coming out mm. of a toxic relationship is something that is very welcome, isn't it? When you get there, it is very welcome. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it takes a while. It does take a while and it takes a lot of work. So you know, again, compassion, self-compassion with how long it might take for you to get to that place. Cause there's a lot of healing. There's a lot of healing to be done. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing your advice. I know that will have given people a little boost along the way of their healing journey. And thank you, Kate, for being such a fabulous guest. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. That's it for today's episode. Do head on over to www.kateanthony.com to find out more about Kate, Coaching with Kate and her podcast as well. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sarah's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com, where you can also get a copy of Sara's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.